Good morning. You can take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Two weeks ago at the Red Hill Preaching Rally, Matt Merrill preached. He chose to preach on the topics of questions that Jesus asked. Questions that Jesus asked. It was really good. Matt gave us a a lot to chew on. But it got me to thinking about questions in the Bible. Not questions about the Bible, but questions in the Bible. There are many, many questions that are asked in the Bible. And it's difficult to give a precise number because ancient Hebrew and Koine Greek didn't use punctuation like we do. So you just can't pull out the Dead Sea Scrolls and count the question marks. It doesn't work that way. And often it's difficult to know if a sentence is truly intended to be a question or not. So would anyone like to venture a guess as to how many questions Bible scholars believe are in the Bible? Any guesses? 500? Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, you're all scared to talk in church. So, <laughs> Bible scholars estimate that there are approximately 3,300 questions in the Bible. 3,300. That's a lot of questions. But I thought it was good seed for a sermon series, and so since I ended the Unleashed series last Sunday, I'm going to begin a series of messages on questions in the Bible. And let me just say up front that I don't know how long this series will last. I haven't worked it all out yet. But I will guarantee you it won't last 3,300 Sundays. (laughs) That would take about 63 and a half years and would make me 128 years old by the time it was finished. And I just don't think that's feasible. So today, we're going to start this series, and we're going to start with the very first question in the Bible. And you can already see it on the screen, so you don't have to ask me who said it. But it didn't come from the voice of God, and it didn't come from the mouth of Adam and Eve. It came from the voice of the serpent, and the serpent asked, did God really say? A few years back, George Bean of Palmdale, California, stopped at a local Burger King, and he ordered four sandwiches at the drive through window. Now, they were dollar sandwiches, and with tax, the total came to $4.33. So he handed the girl his uh, debit card. She uh, kind of absentmindedly punched in the numbers, and then she second-guessed herself about whether she had punched in the right numbers or not, so she punched the numbers in a second time without erasing (laughs) the numbers she had punched in the first time. She created a total bill for him of $4,334.33. He didn't check his sales slip, and so the charge went through to George's checking account and wiped him out. He was left penniless. The newspapers got a hold of the story, and they billed the incident as the most expensive meal in history. 
Now, that's probably not true. There have been more expensive meals in history than that one. I've read of people in New York and L.A. and that have paid far more than that for an evening out on the town. But no matter what meal that a rich person might buy, the cost of what they would purchase pales in comparison to one of the most expensive meals in history that we'll read about today. It costs more than Adam and Eve ever wanted to pay, and it literally bankrupted them. As the old saying goes, sin will take you further than you want to go, Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, and sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And the sad thing is, it wasn't even the best food on the menu. The Bible tells us that God gave Adam and Eve every tree to eat from except one. And Genesis 2 verse 9 tells us there were plenty of other good trees to eat from. It says, and out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. So if that were true, that they had all these other trees to eat from, then why did they eat from the one that God said not to eat from? And it would be easy to say, well, the devil made me do it, but no, it's a lot more than that. They picked the wrong item on the menu because they chose to do so. Eve chose to disobey God. So notice how it all goes down. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And there's the first question in the Bible. Did God really say? It's from the mouth of the serpent. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So the serpent poses a question which, if it's answered affirmatively, would indicate a stinginess and a lack of grace on the part of God. And so if God, if the Lord is viewed as being stingy and not gracious, why should he be obeyed? I mean, we may have to tolerate his power, but loving trust? That's just out of the question, if he's a stingy ungracious God. And notice how the serpent goes about this. He first attacks and questions the authority of God's word. He calls God's word into question. Did God really say? And so he makes Eve think about what God really said. And then in verse 4, the serpent flatly contradicted God's word. 
He calls God a liar. The serpent said, you will not surely die. So now Eve has a choice to make. Will I believe what God said? Or will I believe what the serpent is saying to me? Now, did God say it to Eve? Well, we don't have a record of that in Scripture. We do have a record of God saying that to Adam. And maybe Eve's thinking, well, I'm sure Adam told me God said not to eat of this one tree. And I don't believe that Adam would lie to me. And he said, if we did eat of this tree, God said that we would die. And so Satan begins by attacking the authority of God's word. But then notice what he does. He slanders the very motive of God. It says in verse 5, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's attacking God's motive. God doesn't want you to be like him. No, he wants to keep all this knowledge to himself. He is selfish. He is jealous. And he wants to keep you in the dark about something that could be really good for you. So he questions God's motive. And Satan still works like that today. He still attacks the authority of God's word. And he loves to plant doubt in our minds about God's goodness. And then Satan will flatly deny and contradict what God says. And if we're not aware of his schemes, we can fall into disbelief just like Eve did. And that leads to sin. The serpent led Eve to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's love, and to doubt God's judgment. And when you doubt his judgment and you don't fear his wrath, you will soon sin. And she did. Eve chose to disobey God. Now Satan may have deceived her, Satan lied to her, Satan may have talked her into it, but she knew what God had said. She knew God didn't want her to eat of that tree. She knew that God had said that anyone that ate of that tree faced death. But she chose to eat of the tree anyway. She made bad choices. And notice something else. Satan said to her, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, as far as we know, God did not say anything about touching the tree. There's nothing in Scripture that indicates God said that. He could have said it, and the scripture just doesn't record it. But as far as we know, God didn't say that. But she chose to add that little restriction. She chose to add to God's commandment. She chose to, to try to improve on God's will. And that was all the wiggle room that Satan needed to begin playing with her mind. Now, why would that give Satan or the serpent wiggle room? Because once you get used to the idea that you can improve on God's word, when you believe that you can change God's word whenever you want to, when you accept that you can tinker with God's will for your life, then it gets easier to improve, supposedly, on all the other things that God has commanded. 
And once you get used to improving on God's word, then you end up being the final arbiter. You end up being the ultimate judge on what is acceptable and unacceptable in what God says. And that's just plain wrong. How do I know that's wrong? Jesus said so. Jesus said over in Matthew 15, verse 9, They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. In other words, once you or I get used to accepting, quote, improvements on God's commands, that becomes then the commandments of men. And when we go that far, then our worship becomes vain and empty and worthless. Adding to God's word makes our worship worthless. Now, why would God be so adamant about opposing these, quote, improvements? <laughs> well, because the only way we can deal with the trials and temptations of this life is by clinging to the pure and unadulterated word of God. He is God. Not you, not me, not anyone else. He is God. His word stands. If God said it, that settles it. His word goes. It's like, like taking medicine. You go to the doctor. He gives you a prescription. You take it to the pharmacist. It's going to fill it. He'll give you the instructions on how that medicine should be taken. And if you follow those instructions, you should get satisfactory results. At least you hope to. Not all medicine works. But let's say you don't tell your doctor you're taking another medication along with it. Well, that can be dangerous. It's dangerous to mix two kinds of medicine because they can counteract each other and neither one of them do any good. Or the result could be worse. Mixing those two kinds of medicines together could be potentially dangerous to your body and maybe even kill you. So a wise patient will give their doctor all the information he needs in order to make a right diagnosis and prescribe the right kind of medicine that you can take according to that prescription, no more and no less. Listen, you can't add to God's word. You can't add to God's teaching. You can't mix the pure medicine of God with the advice of sinful men. It won't work. And most importantly, you can't mix the commandments of God with man-made doctrines. That doesn't work either. You just can't do that. Well, actually, you can do all that. You can add to God's word, but sooner or later, Satan's going to use it against you just like he used it against Eve. Eve started out by making a bad choice. She added to God's word. And that's the avenue Satan took to deceive her the rest of the way. Notice how he tempts her. You will not surely die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So she's already gotten used to not fully trusting in God's commands. And so Satan just takes her the rest of the way. Essentially... Satan tells her, God lied to you. God lied to you. 
you will not die. You won't even get sick. There aren't any consequences to your choices. You can dabble with this sin or that sin and it won't hurt you. You can be as vengeful, as hateful, as bitter as you want to be. You can be lustful and sexually immoral. You can look at pornography. You can be proud. You can be selfish. You can be self-righteous. It's not going to make a bit of difference because there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no sin. There's no judgment. There's no hell. There's no eternal regret. Just do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. It won't damage your soul at all. It'll be okay because God lied to you. And you know why he lied? Because he knows when you eat of this tree, your eyes will be opened and he doesn't want that. He doesn't want what's best for you. He doesn't want for you to have any fun. He doesn't want you to enjoy life to the fullest. He just wants to keep you under his thumb. He, he, he wants to control you. So come on, girl, do you really want to live your life controlled by an uncaring, selfish, spiteful God like that? That's where he took her. And so Eve begins to think about that. And then she begins to look at the tree. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Eve chose to disobey God. The God that had so unfairly denied her the blessing of wisdom that could be gained from that tree. And she has no excuse except that the serpent deceived her. As Paul would write in 1 Timothy 2.14, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So, Adam and Eve were deceived. I can understand that. Wait. That's not what 1 Timothy 2.14 says. It says, and Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now you look throughout the New Testament and you will never find Eve as being the bad guy, bad girl in this story. Who gets the blame? Adam does. Adam does. Romans 5.12 says... That sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Not one woman, one man, Adam. And Romans 5.14 goes on to say, Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam. Now why does Adam get the blame? Because he wasn't deceived think about that and it gets worse Genesis 3 6 says the woman took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it so where was Adam at was he in the house washing dishes was he on the back 40 harvesting some crops no nope. where was he he was with her Get the picture. 
He was with Eve. He was with Eve when Satan tempted her. He was there when Satan accused God of lying. He was there when Satan said they wouldn't die. He was there when Satan implied that they would have all kinds of advantages if they just ate that fruit. And Adam was not deceived. He didn't believe a word of what Satan was saying. He wasn't deceived. So why didn't Adam stop Eve from eating? Why on earth did he eat the fruit? Why would Adam, who was not deceived, disobey God? Because he chose to. I don't know what Adam's reasoning was. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe it came down to this. Adam believed God, he just didn't trust him. There were people like that. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that would come to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek him. You see, believing in God is the core of being a Christian, but believing that God exists isn't enough. We must also believe God rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek him. So we, we have to trust him. Because if you don't trust him, we'll be tempted to fix the problems in our lives on our own terms. <laughs> and we will make a grand mess of things. Or even worse, we'll be tempted to try to force God to try to do things our way. That doesn't work either. When faced with trials and temptations in our lives, we need to believe that God exists and trust him. We need to believe that God not only exists, but also to trust that he will take care of us and that he'll reward us when we earnestly seek his will in our lives. But Adam and Eve didn't do that. And that's why they failed. Eve failed because she didn't trust God's words. Adam may well have failed because he didn't trust God's faithfulness. And they both ended up eating one of the most expensive meals in history. But in all actuality, they didn't eat the most expensive meal in history. Because the most expensive meal in history is the one you've already shared in this morning. It doesn't really seem like much. It's just unloving bread and grape juice. It costs the church just a few dollars a week to set this out. It doesn't cost the congregation very much to make it available Sunday after Sunday. But that meal cost Jesus his blood. It cost him his very life. And here's the thing. In purchasing this meal, Jesus undid the damage that Adam and Eve brought, us, brought on us by the meal they ate. Jesus undid the damage. One man spoke of the contrast between these two meals by contrasting the trees from which each was harvested. The first tree was planted by God. The second tree was planted by man. The first tree, God forbid, God forbade man to eat of that first tree, but 
man is freely invited to draw near and eat of the fruit of the second tree. The eating of the first tree brought death. By eating of the second tree comes life and salvation. And that life and salvation can be yours by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, by accepting the fact that you have sinned and you need to repent, and by confessing Christ as your Lord, making him the master and owner of your life, by being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of your sins, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, rising up as a brand new creature, and then living a life of faithfulness. The first question in the Bible, did God really say? Yes, he did. And he says a lot more in his word, things that every one of us need to be aware of. And we need to stand upon the authority of God's word, never question it. What he says goes. If he said it, it is absolute truth. He only wants what's best for us. And that's why he sent his son to save us. Do you know him as your Lord and as your Savior? I pray that you do. But if you don't, you can accept him and claim him this very day. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of decision. He touched me. If you have a public decision to make for Christ, if you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, you can meet me right down front while we stand and sing.